0: episode one welcome to the higher life podcast lessons from authentic judaism get the inspiration you need for personal growth hosted by rabbi Mitterhoff. shalom this is rabbi Mitterhoff, and i'm happy to be here today in this episode we're going to be discussing one subject And that subject is, why is life so difficult? Did you ever notice that life doesn't go exactly the way you want it to go? And sometimes your bank account is not exactly as full as it should be. And maybe the kids are not behaving the way you want them to behave. Anybody notice that? So the question is, why is life just so difficult? What's the Jewish answer to why life is so difficult? So if we look in the Parsha, V'yeshev. Take a look over here. It says, Yaakov, magure aviv Yaakov dwelt in the land where his father lived, in the land of Canaan. And then the next verse goes on to say, these are the generations of Yaakov. When Yosef was 17 years old, being a shepherd, he was with his brothers. And it goes on to speak about Yosef. So the question is, what's going on here? We start with a verse that's uh, chapters 37 in Breshis. And we talk about where Yaakov dwelt, Yeshev Yaakov. And then we go on to talk about Yosef. So and what is it? And not only that, it says the Eilet Toldos Yaakov. Yosef Ben Sheva. These are the Toldos, these are the generations of Yaakov. And we go on to talk about Yosef. What about Ruven Shimon and What about the rest of the tribes? So Rashi actually brings a into but He brings a couple explanations. But the third explanation he brings, Rashi, in Midrash Rabbah, he says like this. I will read you the Rashi. The Rashi says like this. It is further expounded upon as follows. When it says Vyeshev, what does it mean Vyeshev? It means when he wanted to dwell in tranquility. When Yaakov sought to dwell in tranquility, the troubles of Yosef sprang upon him. It was his dwelling in the land which caused the beginning of the problem with Yosef. Rashi goes on to explain. He brings the Midrash Rabbah. And the Midrash Rabbah says, The righteous seek to dwell in tranquility. He said, The Holy One, blessed be He. What is prepared for the righteous in the world to come is not sufficient for them. But they seek also to dwell in tranquility in this world. In other words, God says to Yaakov, Yaakov, what is going on with you? You want to, you want to rest? What, it's not sufficient for you? The reward you're going to have in the next world? That's not enough. You also want tranquility in this world? So, Amir, the Mashgiach of Mir from the last generation, he's explains. he says, wait a second, what's going on with this Midrash? He says, Why not? Does it really, does God hate us that we can't, that the righteous people shouldn't have two worlds? What God has is jealous or something? What you person can't have a good in this world and also have a good in the next world? He has to really have a bad in this world? He has to have problems in the in, in this world, in order to have it good in the next world? And don't think that the shalva that we're talking about, that Yaakov wanted, was a shalva like ours. He says, chas v'chalira, for God forbid. We're not talking We're not, talking about the Yaakov who didn't sleep for 14 years. We're talking about somebody who's serious snaffish for sitting and learning Torah all day. He's willing to give over his life in order to sit and learn. And he is pushing himself to the limit. That's the rest that he's talking about. That We're just talking about he didn't want to have He's not asking for luxury, a life of luxury. He just didn't want to have this problem with, with, with uh, son Yosef, who disappeared for 22 years. He thought he was dead. Can you imagine the agmus nefesh, the aggravation that such a thing could cause a person? If he doesn't have peace inside of himself, how is he going to possibly serve God? Now, don't forget we're talking about Yaakov, who just finished his whole story with his brother Asaph, who was about to kill him. And he also just finished the story with Lavan, who he suffered with. So, Rav Yerucham wants to explain. There is a verse in chapter 32 in Bereshis, verse number 5, I believe it is, yes. When Yaakov sent his entourage to go to Esav, he wanted to tell him, you should tell me, you know what? I lived lived with Lavan, and I have tarried to now, and I've survived. We read that in Hebrew, it says Vim lavangarti." Exactly, "im lavangarti." I lived with Lavan, ata" until now. So Rashi explains. So what was he trying to tell Esav? You better watch out, because the word "garti" gimel yud has a numerical value of six hundred and thirteen. That is to say, I live with the wicked Lavan. But I still kept the 613 commandments, and I didn't learn from his evil deeds. So you better be careful, Esau, because I am still righteous. And even though I was with Lavan, which is a big feat in itself, that I did not fall into wickedness. I kept the Torah. So Rav Yerucham wants to explain what's going on here. Why is he mentioning this Garti to him? This is much deeper. He says like this. He says, Lavan was, was like the furnace. Basically, living with Lavan was an unbelievable difficulty. He changed his wages, says, 10 times. Anyway, he says, like, Klaus says, a 100 times. He kept changing his wages. And then he worked for one daughter. He worked for seven years. And in the end, he got Leia instead of getting Rachel, And he works for another seven years. He didn't steal anything. He kept his righteousness. And he kept being straight and doing the right thing, even under unbelievable circumstances. So that's what it means, Garti. So Rav Yerucham wants to learn from here an unbelievable Chiddush, an unbelievable Navo idea, which is what? He wants to say, Im Lavan Garti Taryag Mitzvah Shamarti. With Lavan I lived and I kept the 613 Mitzvahs. Ki baladi, without this, Im Garti, Ba'aldi Ko Eilek without all of these difficult times and all of these things that stopped me from doing the Mitzvahs. Ain ham kiyum mitzvahs He wants to say, if you don't have difficult time when you try to do the mitzvahs, when you try to serve God, if everything is equal, that's not called a mitzvah that's going to give you the next world. It's only a mitzvah under a difficult time that's the mitzvah that's going to give you the next world. It's only by doing the mitzvahs under a stressful situation that a person is going to get the next world. You know, a lot of secular Jews ask me, do Jews believe in the next world? Well, It's such a basic question, and it's such a basic understanding. Of course we believe in the next world. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. But the only way that a person really get the next world is if he really has a stressful situation, and he does the mitzvah anyway. I mean, the truth is, it's even the same thing in this world. Who gets rich nowadays just hanging around in the living and watching TV? Nobody. Anybody who's an entrepreneur or doing something serious and trying to get rich, he is working 18 hours a day. And he's hooked up on his email. He's going. He's late at night, early in the morning. So even in this world, we understand the concept that you don't get something. There's no free lunch. But also in the next world. So why should we think when it comes to spirituality, it's a free lunch. It's a funny thing. People think when it comes to spirituality, well, it's easy. you know. I mean, you just do this because you can't see it. You can't taste it. You don't know what it is. So you assume that, uh, well, I do a little, I get a lot. It's not true. Did you ever see anybody put into a Coke machine, I guess a Coke in America probably costs a dollar now, let's say you put a, a dollar into a Coke machine and get out 10 Cokes. No, it doesn't happen like that. Nothing happens like that. You put in a little bit. It's only if you put in a lot of effort that you, 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 the cause and the effect. There is a rule in logic which says the result cannot be any greater than in the cause. You can't, it's impossible to produce something by doing something small, produce something big by doing something small. Ah, it looks like a person just pushed a little button and a big explosion happened. No, the answer is, in that little button was the power to produce that explosion. It might have been a Sibarachokah, a distant type of a cause, and it caused caused another thing, but at the end of the day, there had to be in the causes, all put together, the things needed to produce the result. So it's also true in spirituality. So, Rav Yerucham concludes, therefore, at the end of the day, the cool things that happen, all the difficulties that a person has in his life, he should look at them and he should say, well, how did I come out from that difficulty? Did I come out okay or not okay? But it, it's it's not a negative view of life. It's just a different switch in the mind as to what life is about. And that's what I want to speak about here. There's a safer called Chavot L'Bavos, the Duties of the Heart. So he says there a beautiful thing, he says. it's a in this part of the, the book, he's talking about the... Mind speaking to the soul. And the mind says like this. The secret of your being is that the creator created you out of nothing. In common with all spiritual beings that he created. Really, we started, before we came to this world, our soul was created out of nothing. And God created us. We're not equal to God. God created us. So, he continues and says. He wanted to exalt you and elevate you to the high degree of his treasured ones. The chosen and pure who were among the close to the light of his glory. He wanted to really make a man like an angel, to bestow upon his favor and his grace upon us. But you will only be worthy of these only three things. In other words, why are we recreated? I mean, really, we if we have souls and our souls are eternal, they were close to God. And what happened? God pushed us away? No, God pushed us away in order that we should grow, that we should become elevated beings. And how do we do that? So he says there's three ways. The first is the removal of the veil of folly that hangs over you, so you may be enlightened in knowledge by him. The first thing is to gain wisdom, I would call that. The second is that you'll be tried and tested, whether you be choose to serve God or rebel against him. The second thing is you're going to have difficult times, and you're going to see you know, how you behave. That to listen to the third thing. The third is that you'll be disciplined in this world by bearing patiently the burden of his service. In order that he shall raise you to the degree of the higher beings, the patient ones, to whom it is said, "Blessed God, His angels, mighty ones who do His bidding." So, if you look in the Hebrew, you'll see he's talking about ha elyonim hasovlanim, ha elyonim vahasovlim. You're talking about angels that solve them. patience, patience. We were created to grow, to be like angels. We were created to have good character. Now, how do we get that? Well, we're not going to get it just sitting in front of the TV. Maybe somebody gets in front of the TV and we don't react. So maybe we might get it sitting in front of the TV. But really, we get it by, living, by being in this life and having things that are coming our way. And we grow from them. Now I'm going to bring you another book called The Path of the Just that was written by the Ramchal. This is the classic Musr Sefer, the classic Jewish philosophy. So he says like this. You see, it's a change in the mind of what is the purpose of life. It's not a downer. It's not a bummer. It's just a switch in the mind, which in the end really comes out sweet and beautiful and even a higher elevated life. It's not depressing at all. It's the opposite, which I'll show you at the end. He brings another part of Hashem. It is actually exciting. I want to tell you what he says here. In summation, a person was not created for his position in this world. We were not created to be here, but rather his position in the world to come. We are created in order for in the next world. However, through his position in, the, in this world, in this world, he acquires his place in the world to come. This being the ultimate goal. It's only through this world that we get to the next world. Therefore, you will find many passages from our sages of blessed memory that speak of the same comparison of this world, the place for time of preparation, and the world to come as a place where one rests and consumes what he has already prepared. This world resembles a, quarter, a corridor, as I have written, but, and you should do them a day and receive them tomorrow. And he who toils there of Shabbos will eat like Shabbos, and the world is like the dry land, and the world to come is like an ocean, Passes it, and things, you might find many different pasukim talking about this kind of thing. Now, here's the point I want to say. Therefore, you will surely understand that no intelligent person could believe that the purpose of man's creation relates to his position in this world. If you think about it, you'll see in a minute that we're not created for this world. Because look what he says. For what significance is there to man's life in this world? Is there anybody who's truly happy or at peace in this world? The days of our years among them are 70 years, and with strength, 80 years. And they're filled with toil and anguish. How many different forms of anguish and sickness and pains and burdens there are, and experience after those, the person finally dies. One in a thousand cannot be found to whom the world abounds with pleasures and true peacefulness. One in a thousand can't be found, and even if such one he lives to be a hundred and he's as good as, and then he passes away, and he's gone from the world. So how is it possible that the purpose of a man is for this world? This world is filled with all kinds of problems. So what's the point? What are we doing here? So if you look in the book, Evan Shlema of the Vilna Gaon, he says at the very beginning, he says like this, the prime purpose of man's life is to constantly strive to break his bad habits. Otherwise, what is life for? I'll read that in Hebrew. It says, Iker Adam he kazek tamid imlo lama lichaim. Why is he alive? If a person is not growing, he is missing the purpose of life. He's missing the purpose of life. He thinks life is just purely about pleasure. I'll tell you a joke. One time a new rabbi came to the shul. And the president of the shul is there. He's going to speak on the Shabbos. He's going to speak. So he starts to speak to the Kihili about kashris. And how important it is not to eat this kind of thing and that kind of thing and you have to make sure that the you have good rabbis which means people that come in and check to make sure that everything's kosher they have to come into the store and he goes on and on okay fine everybody goes home the president of the shul comes to the rabbi and says listen this this kehillah this group of people it's not for them it's a little bit difficult So maybe next week he can speak on something else fine the next week he comes and he speaks about Shabbos, how important it is to keep Shabbos and the seventh day you have to rest and, you know, you can't drive and, you know, you can't turn the lights. You have to set the lights before and you can't cook on Shabbos and all the different things that you can't do on Shabbos. He explains to him about the beauty of Shabbos, but still, everybody goes home. President Shaw comes up to the rabbi. He says, listen, this, this group of people, you know, it's not for them. This, uh, you got you to think a different subject okay. So he says, you know, next week he comes in again. He talks about Nida. What's Nida? A woman has her period. A man is not allowed to live with his wife. He has to wait the seven days or the five days and the seven days, and he has to count, and he has to make sure. Then she has to go to the mikvah. Fine. The rabbi says, <laughs> so then the president says, listen, you're not getting it, you know. These people, you can't tell them these things, you know. You can't tell them. This is, it's too hard for them. Shabbos and Nida and Kashris is too hard. So the rabbi says, well, what do you want me to talk about? He says, why don't you talk about Judaism? <laughs> so, <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, I think it's a good joke. But the joke is that people, they, they you know, anything that takes a little bit of effort, anything that's a little bit of heart, people are not interested. That's our nature. But you have to know that is why we are here. We are here to grow. And a matter of fact, if you're not growing, you're not going to be happy. A person is only happy when he's growing. And I want to show you, there's a Gemara in an Archim that says like this, on 16b. Whoever goes 40 days without suffering has received his reward in the world to come. In other words, in Israel they say the calamity is waiting for him. There is an idea that if things that you get in this world, you can actually take away from your next world. And if you haven't suffered for 40 days at all, just like life was just perfect for 40 days, that's a sign... That you've lost your next world. And God forbid that should happen to us. And the Gemara in Menachos says, fifty-three B. Why are the Jews compared to olive tree? It is to tell you, just as the olive only produces its oil after being pounded, so the Jews only return to proper conduct. Only, ret- only, so the Jews only return to proper conduct because of the suffering. Okay, I don't want to talk about suffering. The point is not suffering. The point is getting. The, the purpose straight. Once you start to understand what the goal is, everything else lines up. For example, you have a yeshiva guy. A person who lives, just, uh, dedicates himself to sitting and learning Torah, which is actually the greatest mitzvah that exists. So he gets, sits there and learns, and he, he has money problems. How is he going to sit and learn all day? doesn't have any money. Not only that, but he tends to have a lot of kids. The Torah tells us to have a lot of kids. You can have a lot of kids, twelve kids. Thank God, I have twelve kids. Thank God. And uh, money can be hard, and kids can be difficult, and you know, and you're living in Israel. Israel, That's also a mitzvah to come to live in Israel. And then you got Arabs on every side. You got all these things happening, and you got all these pressures. And and the religious life, in a certain sense, is pushing the envelope of what a person can handle. That's on one side. Benefit of that is a person becomes much more pure. It said that Lavan was like a furnace. What does it mean it's like a furnace? It means that if you're in situations where you have to control yourself, you have to have proper character. So it's like a furnace. It's a burning inside. But what starts to happen is a person starts to live this life. He starts to feel sweetness. He starts to feel beauty life actually starts to become sweet and you start to feel successful as a human being, which is the greatest thing that a person could feel. Let me just read this last piece in the Masih Si which It says, Talking about righteous people that are entirely unmotivated by selfish interest, their sole aspiration being to magnify the honor of God and give Him pleasure. The more deterrents that cross their path, making it difficult for them to give more of themselves, to counteract them, the more their hearts will fortify themselves and rejoice to show the strength of their faith, just as a general famed for his strength will always thrust himself into the heart of the bottle, where the victory will serve all the more to reveal his proudness. The joy that comes with every opportunity to express the intensity of one's love is well known to every lover of flesh and blood. In other words, once you get in this, kab- in this line, Life changes. Because you realize that every move you make can either bring God into the world or take God out of the world. It becomes pleasurable to do the right thing. I always tell my kids, the greatest pleasure in life is to do the right thing. Because in there when you do the right thing, the right thing happens. Good things happen. And, and you don't always feel things in the moment, you know. It's like a ship. If a ship is off, off one inch, when it takes off, if it's off by one inch here, it's going to wind up on the other side of the world over a long span as it goes across the ocean. Same thing with life. You, you do things, a person says, where's God? What do you mean where's God? I do sins and I do this. Nothing's happening. Nothing happened to me. I'm okay. Uh, nothing happened to you. Yeah. Wait. Wait as life goes on. Wait as your kids grow up. You have all the blessings in your life. You have all the good things. Maybe yes, maybe no. But here it comes out, the, <laughs> here it comes out that even the, the opposite, that even the righteous person is, may not be having the right things, ha- you know, the best things, that you would call. Really, everything that happens is good. Everything that God does is the right thing. It's the good thing. He may not be feeling it, but if he understands that his person is to grow in his character, so then he's happy about that. He's happy about everything. I'll tell you, I'll end with one last story. It says one time there was two Jews that got into the uh this is a true story. Two Jews in Ben Gurion Airport and they were about to sit next to each other. So the one guy he was like looking through his bag and he couldn't think he, he was getting like a bit confused because he couldn't find his ticket and this and that he sits down, okay. Another guy sits down next to him, and, you know, he thinks that the, which he took out his cookies, started to eat his cookies. All of a sudden, he sees that his cookies are over there, sitting next to, uh, between them. And he sees that the other guy takes a cookie. So, okay, you know, maybe the guy's hungry. <laughs> and the other guy smiles, and the guy smiles at him, and he takes the cookie. So he's, he also takes the cookie. That's his. He can take his own cookie. He takes the cookie, eats the cookie. And the other guy looks at him and smiles back to him. And then the other guy takes another cookie. And basically, it's half-half. They each finished the box of cookies. Then what happens when the guy gets into the plane? He looks through his bag, and he sees that the box of cookies that he thought were his, were really, the other guy, the whole box of cookies are still in his bag. So <laughs> what's the point? The point is good character. And things happen to a person. And there's now the road rage and there's upset about this. And I, No, good character, good character to be a mensch is the purpose of Judaism. A person has to be a mensch, which means, and not only to be a mensch, but the more you grow in spirituality, the more pressure that will be increased that you should be a mensch even under those circumstances. And those, according to Rabbi Rucham, are the circumstances that are really going to give you the next world. Because nobody puts a dollar into a Coke machine and gets out 10 Cokes. It's only when you work hard and produce, just like in this world when you work hard and you produce, that it comes out that you're going to become rich, I say, for example. Also in the next world, also in spirituality. It's only when a person works hard. And it's a positive. Out of it. I think even though it sound, you may think this is like a negative view of life, but really when you start to live it and you start to have faith and you believe in it, And you start to see it's a beautiful way of life, and it's the right way to go. So uh, that's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope to put out another episode next week and uh, continue these podcasts. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit rabbiminterhof.com to ask questions or leave comments.